And on the line with us now to talk riders, alouettes, the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for 20 years, and the host of the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM in Regina, Mr. Rod Peterson. Welcome, Rod. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. First thing we had to ask, we just saw the, um, I guess we saw the tweet come out earlier today, and you probably know about this too. What's, what was the, what's the uh, Saskatchewan situation with, uh, you guys lost a pretty big name in, uh, as a wide receiver this week? Uh, yes, Riders leading receiver Naaman Roosevelt will not play Sunday in Montreal. It's an undisclosed injury. If you watched last week's game in Toronto, <laughs> he took several hard knocks. So t- take your pick as to which one knocked him out of this game. They said it was an amazing feat just for him to finish that game at the Argos on Saturday. Uh, he went down awkwardly a couple of times. So leading receiver Naaman Roosevelt will not play. He's being replaced in the offense by Kenny Shaw, former Ottawa Red Black and Toronto Argonaut, who has been around here since August, has been waiting for his opportunity. Pretty good receiver. And um, it's not going to be long-term for Roosevelt. Now, heading into this matchup, it'll be the second quarterback that the Rough Riders had, have gone up against this year when, versus the Alouettes. Um, what have you heard and what you've seen on TV? What's, what's your thought on, uh, on Johnny football? Well, <clears throat> I've been pulling for Johnny Manziel um, since Texas A&M days. I really have. And was pulling for him to, to make it work in Cleveland. Didn't happen. Was pulling for him to make the comeback in Cleveland. Didn't happen. Um, never thought in a million years that he would land in the CFL, and I lost a lot of bets this winter and this spring. I didn't think he'd show up in Hamilton, but the more I talked to the Ticats people, they were pretty pretty sure that he was going to show up, but eventually he did the day before training camp. I was pulling for Johnny there. Obviously, never even got his opportunity, so you know the Hamilton uh, stop, the Hamilton tenure for Johnny, I don't even think will make his Wikipedia page. Yeah. And now in Montreal, I was I was pulling for Johnny there. And I can't say that I'm not still pulling for Johnny. It's just I haven't liked some of the things that he's, that he's done. And by the way, who cares what I think? And I know Johnny certainly doesn't care. He don't think he cares what anybody thinks. But, you know, just some of the comments there. Um, he needs to start winning. I, I want to see this turn out well for Johnny Manziel. I really do. I want to see it turn out well for the Montreal Alouette. I'd hate to think they gave up so much for somebody that's not going to turn that franchise around. it's. Um, but the more you look at it, if Johnny... I think this is the one thing, Tim, when you ask that question. Yeah. This will not be a quick fix for Johnny Manziel. This comeback, the, the splashy T-shirts, isn't going to be a rebuild the Alouettes in half a season and head back to the NFL. I mean, contractually, it can't happen, but it cannot happen. But even if he plays through 2019, this contract's up in the CFL going to take longer than that i mean i it's, it's been a while since i looked this up but i believe doug flutie spent eight seasons in the cfl before he went back to the national football league and in that time he was a league mvp six consecutive years yeah. i mean we tend to forget this stuff johnny's got a lot of work to do a lot of work to do and i'm sure he's been told that by many people ken austin eric tillman mike sherman Cavis reed not sure it's sunk in yet how much work johnny manzel's got to do for this to be successful in Montreal and for him to get back to the NFL, if that is his goal. I don't know what his goal is. I've never talked to the man. I was around him here when the Ticats were through in July, and I was actually a little surprised at how big he is. Big guy. You guys know that from being around him in Montreal. Uh, I want to see it work. But I'm not sure that Johnny's um, – I'm not sure it's on the right track right now. So, yeah, Sunday's a good start to see, isn't it? It'll be interesting to see because they said it's – 
Uh, we've seen what he's done so far. We saw what, you know, he went down with a concussion. And then we, you know, Cliff and I talked last week about the comments that he made, which I, as fans, were like, really? You really make this type of thing when you really want to piss off your O-line? Um, yeah, it, it, it will be an interesting matchup. I mean, considering that what Johnny brings to the table, I mean, it's, I you know, I look at the other way. Like Antonio Pipkin, I think, just did just as well. It's just a matter of... I think, Rod, you'll agree, too, is that the, the Alouettes just, they just need to score. <laughs> it, it, it's, more than, it's more than field goals, and you'll agree. You can't just kick field goals and win a game normally. You, you have to score points, and, and fortunately for the Alouettes this season, that's just been their issue the entire season. Well, the odd thing is when you boil it down to this, you mentioned 20 seasons in the CFL. For me, I've learned a thing or two. Uh, the coaches are only going to put the players on the field that give them the best chance to win, mm-hmm. or at least the winningest coaches have operated under that MO and just watching Montreal from the outside. I'm not sure that Johnny Manziel gives them the best chance to win. I mean, you're going to yank Antonio Pipkin because he threw a couple of late picks against BC. Everybody has a bad outing and not criticizing what's going on with Montreal. It's their team. They can do what they want. Right. But I got to say, Cliffy and I talked about this on the air, off the air. I was a huge Johnny Manziel fan. I've followed him on Twitter, follow him on Instagram. I read everything that's ever been written about him, the long Sports Illustrated episodes, the documentaries. I've watched it all. Like I have been pulling for Johnny Manziel for a long time, since I think he first came on my radar probably about 2013. So that's six seasons ago. Um, I'm not sure I'm pulling for him as much as I was. And read into that what you will. I just... I don't see this ending well. That's the, that, that's the feeling that I get for Johnny Manziel. I certainly hope that I'm wrong, and for his sake, I hope that I'm wrong. But um, he's got a lot of proving to do, and I hope he realizes how much. Yeah. Cliff? No, we're going to transition from one superstar athlete in the CFL to another who was a member of the Rough Riders, one Duran Carter. We know about Duran Carter here in Montreal, and you've got to see Duran Carter for the past couple of seasons. Now he's with the Toronto Argonauts. What was your overall take on the Deron Carter saga? Now that he's not a part of the team, uh, what what are your impressions overall on his body of work with the Rough Riders? Cliffy, I'd like to think that I'm an open-minded guy. Um, when the Riders signed Deron Carter, I was against it, based on what I'd seen on the field and what I'd seen in the media about Deron. Never having ever met the man. About one week into training camp, his first training camp with the Riders, I was starting to warm up to him, and about a month into his tenure with the Riders last season, I absolutely loved and adored Deron Carter. So anybody that's listening that's an Alouettes fan that's had anything to do with Deron would probably agree with me. I still love Deron Carter. Um, But, I mean, his act gets old. I've talked about this ad nauseum since he was released on August 11th and uh, picked up by the Argos. And I've had, Cliff, the opportunity, which I treasure, to have spent a day with Deron Carter at a public appearance that we did. And we talked about everything, life, his family, my family, football. Like, Deron is a highly intelligent, highly engaging, big-hearted guy. He's not the most mature guys, however. And I think even he would tell you that. And I think that's what landed him in trouble in Saskatchewan. And Chris Jones didn't even want to get rid of Deron Carter. He did not want to. Chris and I have had those talks. But when the coaches had those meetings in that bye week in mid-August, they had said to Chris, this experiment needs to end. He's not helping us win. And that's what led to the end of Deron Carter in Saskatchewan. Jones still didn't want to do it. I could tell the morning of the news conference when he 
was asked why he cut him that he didn't want to. I could tell by the tone in his voice. And I'm sorry if I'm going on long here, but I could talk about Duran all day. I was happy to see him in Toronto last week and be around him for the media scrum and find out how he's doing in Toronto. Got to know his dad, who, same thing, I'd heard not good things about until I actually met Chris Carter. Now I have nothing but great things to say about Chris Carter, which is kind of an indictment of the media. Don't go by what you hear, guys. Don't judge a book by its cover or, or what you hear. Wait until you actually meet somebody before you form an opinion. Because I was wrong on both counts. So, But it's funny, Cliffy, that you made that segue from Manziel to Duran, because they're so similar. The media is always running to them and shoving a mic in their face. And I don't know Johnny. I've never met him, but I think I know Duran pretty well. He's just going to be honest. He's just going to tell you what he's thinking. And where is what's wrong with that? You know? But I know that a lot of teammates start to say after a while, how come he's getting all the interviews? How come he's getting all the attention? How come he's selling all the jerseys? How come it's always Duran, Duran, Duran? And same thing in Toronto last week. I think he was targeted one time. Yet he's the one that TSN's interviewing before the game. I turned on TSN Sports Center yesterday. What's the story about? How much is Duran going to play this week? <laughs> like, you know, and it's the same. It's it's the same thing with Manziel. Like, how long is this going to last at Montreal, where the story's Johnny, Johnny, Johnny? You go into that game where he was the third string quarterback in Ottawa. It was all about Johnny. I'm watching the TSN pregame show, and I'm just getting I'm nauseated by Johnny Manziel. Guys, he's not even playing. What's wrong with you, TSN? Yet they can sniff out a story, and they know what people want to see. It's Deron Carter. It's Johnny Manziel. It's not those two's fault that they're so magnetic, that they're so – they're not train wrecks, I don't believe, but there's something about them that people can't get enough of. And it's funny how Deron and Johnny are so similar that way. And I'm, to be honest, I want it to end well for both of them, but they, both of them have a lot to prove. And I would suggest neither one of them is where they – should be in football. They should both be in the National Football League. You guys know that. They both know how they they both have that amount of talent. But for whatever reason, they're not. And um, you'd have to ask them why they're not. But it's it's funny how intertwined they are in their careers. Oh, without question. I, I you said it best. You could just with all the hype, with everything, with both of these guys, they're pretty much interchangeable as far as the hype and how they move the needle in the in the media and how fans just clamor to them because they are names. They are what people want to see. People want to see Johnny Mansell. People want to see Deron Carter. They want to see them do amazing things on the field. And when they don't, they're just, they don't know how to react. They, they just can't figure out what's going on. Why aren't they getting more playing time? Why aren't they, you know, the stars that they need to be? They, they, they have to be out there and they're just not sometimes. And it's, I can imagine for a lot of fans, it's very hard, especially for traditional football fans too, that don't understand why people are so hyped up about these guys when they haven't, really proven anything in the Canadian Football <laughs> League. I mean, Duran, I'll, I'll say, has proven himself, whereas Manziel is still a work in progress. But uh, I understand where people get hyped up over these names because they mean something. But uh, you, you said it yourself. Like, you got to prove yourself on, on the football field. you got to be able to show up on game day. And that's where you really make your name known. That's where you're really going to make your yeah. money. Duran's done that a little bit. Uh couple thousand yard seasons he was the riders mvp last year yeah he's got a little bit to stand on but you know he was facing two criminal charges in the offseason the number one reason why he's not in the national football league right now and we all know why johnny manzel isn't but i think a lot of fans need to do a little more listening and less talking because when the riders cut deron carter they were ready to burn the stadium down because he was so popular 
And it's like, guys, fans, you don't know the whole story here. And I kind of took it upon myself to outline a little bit of why, because Chris Jones didn't want to throw Duran under the bus. That's how, that's just the kind of guy Chris Jones is. He's gone. I'm not going to trample on his grave here. But same thing with Manziel, and very similar to Vince Young when the Riders signed him. I don't know about the Montreal fan base, but I can tell you this in Saskatchewan. They follow the Rough Riders. From there, they casually follow the CFL, and not a lot of them follow the NFL or college football. If for, for most of them, it's just the riders. So people were saying to me, why is Vince Young a big deal? I'm like, are you familiar with Google? Look <laughs> it up. He's one, of, he's one of the biggest names in the game, Vince Young was. And Vince did something. Two-time Pro Bowler, third overall pick in the first round uh, by Tennessee, and won the Rose Bowl. Johnny Manziel, guys, has anybody told him he doesn't, hasn't done squat at the pro level? Yeah. Has anybody told him that? Because the swagger and the talk and the attitude, that's kind of why I'm getting turned off on Johnny. You know, when I, when I was talking with the Ticats in the offseason, I said, I hope he comes up and humbles himself. I hope he puts his head down and just works on a daily basis. But you know what? And they had nothing but good things to say about Johnny. He never had that opportunity. They were going to play Jeremiah Masoli. And can, how can you argue with that, with the start that he had out of the gate? So, Johnny, what happened in Hamilton? Again, blip on the radar. But in Montreal, I just don't see the humility that I think Johnny Manziel is going to need. And with Duran, I just, I just love the guy. Um, I was kind of hoping that he wouldn't get signed by Toronto. I was kind of hoping that he would not get an opportunity, that that would be the point in his life where Duran would say, hey, this isn't working. What do I need to change? But he didn't have that. That light didn't go on because it didn't need to. There was the Argos with a contract. you know, And now, and now it's Mark Tressman who... I'll never, ever forget the quote that he said the day before the East Final last year. Mark Tressman, when the Riders were in there to face Toronto for the East Final, he said, every day, every single day is a chance to prove yourself. And I just, I wonder what Tressman could do if he got a hold of Johnny Manziel. I really do. Because that's something that I think Johnny needs to have drilled home. Uh, I, I, I always wonder what we could do if we could get a hold of Mark Tressman again also. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, it, it just seems that to me that you talk about the fans in Montreal right now. I think one of the most infuriating things that Cliff and I have had to go, go through is, uh, you know, Pickens under center and you have the wannabe fans who are chanting, we want Johnny, we want Johnny. And it's, it, it just get it gets so annoying. It's like, <laughs> it's like, guys, uh, again, like you said, do you know what he has done? I mean, he's, he's a name. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a name. Unfortunately, he's a name where money kind of, you know, kind of uh, put him in the position that he currently is as a starting quarterback. So that's that's. Well, if that's I a, can inter- if I can interrupt you, Tim, this yeah. is what I think. Yeah. And Cliffy's been on my show a couple of times. We talked about this. I can't imagine the atmosphere in Percival Molson Stadium, where I've been many times. It's so. Uh, I love it, by the way. It's one of my favorite stadiums in the CFL, but it's intimate. It's tiny. I can't imagine just the environment, what it's like. You got Pipkin trying to play. You got VA trying to play, trying to win for these fans. And you got fans up in the crowd chanting, we want Johnny. How unbelievably insulting to the players. And I, I would just think I would be a f- player on the sideline looking up at the, f- at the stands, like you just said, thinking, what is wrong with you people? But they're in the stadium because they're buying into hype, and clearly they watch TSN. And 
I guess that's why they're in the crowd and why the coaches are <laughs> running yeah. the game. Yeah. You know, I just, I just can't imagine how weird that situation would be to be in that stadium and experience that. And maybe, uh, We'll feel it on Sunday. Who knows? Well, you will. Uh, we will need to find out this week. Let's see how. Let's see how many people Johnny is is good for. Uh, you know, extra butts in the seats this week for when Johnny starts. Because last time that he started, he was only worth an extra two k in the stands. So we'll find out. Wow. Yeah. Well, and the one thing I do admire about Montreal is they say to hell with the NFL. We're going to play Sundays. Damn it. Yeah. I, uh, in the fall. So, which is I, I think it's cool. I'm loving these triple headers in the CFL on Saturday. The rest of the league's trying to avoid the NFL, and I think it's working. The crowds look to be good. The ratings are good. But it, damn it, come hell or high water in Montreal, we're playing on Sundays. And I got my wife and one daughter coming out and a 100 of my coworkers for the game. And uh, I hope you guys give them a great atmosphere because they've been told Montreal's a place you got to see, and they're going to do that. And for, it's funny, you've been there many a time, and you even know riders, fans even travel well to Montreal. Oh, there's going to be a ton of green in there. And uh, Montreal is one of the few places in the league where our fans get treated first class <laughs> on the road. Yeah. So I'm hoping our guys are on their best behavior. But I know that Montreal, it's just, it's, I got I always say, guys, that to, to the Western Canadian football fan, you got to get to Montreal because it is a distinct society. It's a hornet's nest of an environment for the visiting team. And it's something you got to experience because you can't, words don't do it justice. Yeah, and it's funny. That's what Cliff said about the new mosaic, and I, I've got to head out there too. You talk about Montreal being nice and cozy. You got a pretty nice place up place out there too. So it's uh... <laughs> yeah, without question, it is what it is the standard bearer right now as far as uh, football stadiums go in the Canadian Football League is absolutely phenomenal. Halifax, we're looking at you. Make 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 another uh, mosaic out east. <laughs> well, funny you say that because from what I understand, that's the goal. Um, the owners of that potential team, the main money guys from here, and for many years was a Rough Rider season ticket holder. I was told they want to build a twin stadium to that in Halifax, and I just I don't know what the holdup is. I'm, I've heard whispers what the holdup is, and it's that they can't get government money secured for the stadium because these guys didn't get rich by using their own money for projects yeah. like this. So um, I hope they get with it. Uh, the sooner we have ten teams, the better. But has it not been eerily quiet at CFL headquarters with regards to Halifax? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe they'll surprise us. You know, they'll, they'll announce. <laughs> Edmonton will announce who's going to be the uh, non-Canadian uh, group to sing at halftime at the Grey Cup. And then Halifax will step up to the, uh, step up to the podium and say, guess what? <laughs> if they, I know what you did there. I saw what you did there. If they... And I'm sure you don't know my opinion on that, but if they announce an American act for halftime, I'm boycotting Grey Cup. I, <laughs> I mean, it, it shouldn't be that hard to find a quality Canadian act for the Grey Cup on a yearly basis. It's the Canadian football. Okay. I can't believe this is even a discussion. I know, but okay. And now, you say quality. What is your vision of quality, though, Rod? Because some people don't like top 40. Then there's been a lot of top 40 stuff. I know we're getting totally off, off, off topic here, but I have to ask what's, to, to you, what's, what's quality? Because you have a Sean Mendez, who is a Canadian superstar, who could be the halftime show. I mean, with Shania last year, second time she's done it. I mean, who would you choose if you had a, your, your choice of a Canadian group? Who would you choose? Okay, I've been touting Sean Mendez for months. Okay. I'm a big fan, very familiar with him, but I also saw him performing 
outside Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia opening night at the NFL this year. So Sean Mendez might have outgrown us, the 19-year-old singer from Toronto. Beyond that, I'd have to think about it. Uh, if it's not Sean Mendez, I'll be very upset. But I would take I would take Gordon Lightfoot over Kanye West mm. if it meant it's a Canadian act. Not it's got to be Canadian. I don't care if it's not Canadian. I'm not going. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know what? Hey, they got they got kind of screwed out of halftime. Let's give it to the Rec Laws. Why not? Cliffy is eerily quiet on the other side of the <laughs> podcast right now. I, I've said my piece numerous times. I want Our Lady Peace to be the halftime act, but that. I guess that's just showing my age right there too. So, they're Canadian. Oh, they're very Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not. I'm honestly not that much of a music guy. I used to be a DJ, but I don't. I don't. I'm not the biggest. But I do know who Sean Mendez is, and that's the channel that I have on my radio all the time. Is okay. uh, is hits. So if it's not Sean Mendez, I'd have to think a little bit. Bare I mean, naked if ladies. I said Tim Hicks, bare naked ladies, let's get them back together. Why not? Uh, they'd probably do it. I mean, but let's put a little work into it here. Uh, when the Riders won the Grey Cup in 2007 in Toronto, it was Lenny Kravitz and I, Black Eyed Peas in Vancouver in yeah. 2011. Yeah. I don't understand why you would do that. I don't ah. care if you have Nickelback every year. Right. Right. We, we had, remember, we only had part of Starship back in 2008 in Montreal. <laughs> that was the Grey Cup I didn't attend, by the way. I was on the road doing hockey, so I don't even. You had one half a starship? One half a starship. If it's on YouTube, it's absolutely horrible. And I was there. I should know. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Can confirm. But, uh, it's, you know what? It's a, it's a very fun debate, isn't it? Yeah. I love the Grey Cup Halftime Act debate. It's one of my – that and the Hall of Fame. I mm-hmm. got all night for that. All right. So we got the, these two. And I could say these two teams know each other quite well, obviously going back to the, or their back-to-back matchups in the Grey Cup uh, a few years back. Um Obviously, these two teams this year seem to have a, a, a big problem at O-line, and both these two teams are basically second to last and last when it comes to giving up the most sacks uh, this season. Alouettes are last. Saskatchewan is still in, in, seven, uh, sorry, in eighth, but yet they are still, tw- I think it's 25 ahead uh, of the Alouettes. Um, when you're looking at these two matchups, just the O-lines themselves, Rod, uh, what, what can really give uh, when it comes to the two, when these two teams play this weekend? Um, well, I'll just flip it. And I think the Riders' defensive line is waiting to bust out. Yeah. So I think that's the difference. I mean, the Alouettes, you know, they still got some beef up front. John Bowman's still doing John Bowman things, beast, right? Yeah, beast. But, uh, but I think that the Riders' O-line or D-line is just ready to eat. Um, Charleston Hughes hasn't had a sack in three weeks. You know, he's still well out front with 13, but I think if the right, you know, if this, you're asking who's going to win the line of scrimmage battle, I think it'll be the rough riders who, by the way, are second in the CFL and rushing with a combo, of Trey Mason, Marcus Thigpen. And look how that worked out in Toronto last week. Yeah. Um, I do think this, I had TSN's Chris Schultz on my show today, and he thinks if the Alouettes start running the football with the two guys you've got left after Terrell Sutton was traded, that might affect the game a lot, too. Have your own line run blocking versus pass blocking will make a heck of a difference for the Montreal Alouettes. I think the Riders will win the line of scrimmage battle, which will ultimately decide the game. The games are always one in the box. But I liked your comment about the back-to-back Grey Cups these two teams met in. You know, there was, for a period, and a, a pretty good period of time, there were the two Cadillac franchises of the West and East Division. Mm-hmm. You know, and all of a sudden, for a while, they were the worst teams of the West and East divisions, which shows you how hard it is to stay on top. 
and the riders are still fighting to get to the top of the mountain, but they're within striking distance of the Calgary Stampeders for first in the West, whereas with Montreal, I don't want to touch what's going on there because I make it a policy not to talk about what other teams do. But <laughs> Especially if you I may do be crossing, they, over to the, crossing over the East, like seems to be a yearly thing anyways. Well, especially when uh, I'm coming into Montreal on Sunday, I don't need to have uh, a bunch of people upset at me. I've I've learned that the hard way too, not about Montreal per se, but other other towns. So, anyways, it's been a tremendous rivalry for a long time. I don't think it's that great of a rivalry now, but uh, I hope that that gets back to where it was because it was a lot of fun and the teams didn't like each other very much. It's actually Saskatchewan and Ottawa hate each other which is a lot of fun. Ottawa's a very hateable team, in my opinion. Montreal, not as hateable right now. No, no, not when you, you can basically think that you're going to beat them every single time you see them. But I, I'm sure it's going to it's maybe kind of a, a revenge game itself, Rod, for, uh, for, the, for the Riders this week versus the, versus the Owls, considering that, you know, they, the Owls did, did spoil the game versus the Riders last time that they were there, and it got their first win of the season. It's, um, does Coach Jones actually preach that? these type of revenge games, or is it just a matter of it's a game, go out and play and do your job? Jones talked about that today. He said that it, I don't think it'll be part of his pregame speech, but the guys have been talking about it this week, that they felt that they were embarrassed by the Alouettes that week, which by the way, was only 23-17. Yeah, yeah. It was a six-point win. It was a closer game than people seem to remember. Um, Travis Moore, the CFL great receiver, who's now the Riders receivers coach, was on my show today, and he said the same thing. Just in meetings, guys have been talking about the Alouettes embarrassing them in week three. So they've been talking about it, it would appear to a man all week long. But let me just remind you one thing, you guys, the ardent Alouettes fans that you are. Cliffy, you weren't out here. Oh, you were out here for that game. Yeah, he was. Yes, sir, I was. Um, See how closely I stalk what you're doing? (laughs) So Here's a really big difference in this game compared to that one. Zach Caleros. Mm Mm-hmm. Because in week three, Brandon Bridge came out. He was starting for the Riders. It was his first start of the season. And on the opening play, he threw a 50-yard dime right on Marcus Thigpen, who was behind coverage, and Marcus dropped it. First play. And I, I knew that Brandon became unraveled mentally after that. And when I talked to him after the game, he agreed that it did. He, that, he had a very tough time coming back from that. Zach Caleros is a guy that would have forgotten it the second that it happened. That's why Zach Caleros is the starting quarterback for the Rough Riders. That's why the Riders are 6-2 with him. Um, the only problem with Zach is when he gets really hit hard, you hold your breath because of the concussion problems. Mm-hmm. But Zach Caleros was acquired for a reason by Chris Jones. And again, 6-2, and two, he believes, Jones does, that Zach Caleros makes the Riders an immediate Great Cup contender. And it's hard to argue with what he's done. So Zach wasn't in that game in week three. And I think he's a major game changer as far as this matchup goes on Sunday. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you the, about the Zach Caleros factor because when he's on, he is on. Like he is one of the top quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League when he's playing. But when he gets hurt and he's not in the game, then it's a, a whole different thing altogether. Like You cannot understate just how important Zach Caleros is, not just the Rough Riders, but I'd even go as far as to say the Canadian Football League in general. Well, the whole team is off, you know, when, 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 when Zach's not on the field, it changes the complexion of the team. He's that much of a leader. Um, and when he's off in terms of maybe not completing passes at the rate you'd like, not as accurate as you'd like, he's still not that bad. You know, he's still a pretty good quarterback. And 
you know, we've been debating this on, I do a TV show, I do a radio show, we do a lot of rider coverage out here, guys, as you can imagine. And my analysts, former riders, are saying he's not as mobile as he was in 2015. Well, that was four years ago. Maybe he's being coached not to be that mobile. Maybe he's being coached to stay in the pocket and save himself. Who knows? I'll go back to that six and two as a starter stat. Um, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Without question, uh, Rod. As far as this game itself goes, what's the one thing that Saskatchewan has to do to ensure victory against Montreal besides show up? Um, I know it sounds very simplistic, but they need to make less mistakes, and I'll explain why I say that. The game in Toronto on Saturday, Zach Medeiros misses a 51-yard field goal, which would have won the Argos the game. Our fans, a lot of them are saying, oh, Riders were lucky to win. Maybe, but they made less mistakes than the Argos in that game. So I'm not just talking about turning the football over. We all know the stat when you win the turnover battle, how many times you go on to win. But penalties at key times, drop passes, that's what bit the Riders against Ottawa two weeks ago here and stopped a four-game win streak. So the Riders will win Sunday if they make less mistakes than the Montreal Alouettes. And I see the Alouettes are the most penalized team in the CFL, which speaks to discipline, yeah. right? I already did the numbers for the game. So I think if the Riders come in and just be themselves, um, the only thing that would worry you is, uh, is the trap game thing. I think there's, there's room for that discussion when you're looking at a 3-9. and nine. What do you have? 3-10 three, three and ten now? Three, yeah, 3-10. Three yeah, 3-10. Yes, 3-10. Um, there is, a, there is a danger of looking past the Alouettes. And you know what? I don't mind saying it. Riders have been guilty of that in games already this season with a few teams. So, so yeah, make less mistakes than the Alouettes and don't look past the Montreal Alouettes. I don't think they will, but they've done it. So there's a reason to, to watch this game Sunday because who knows what's going to happen. It's actually very funny that you were talking about the, these two teams. And, and even though how bad Montreal has been playing all these all these past couple of years, Rod, uh, you know, Saskatchewan has actually only won once in the last six games in Montreal. I was very surprised to see that stat, actually. And I can't remember when that game was. I know last year it was on the missed field goal by Tyler Kopinion in overtime. Yeah, that's, I think that's Darian what it was. Durant, <laughs> well, and Darian Durant uh, won his uh, Alouette's debut. I don't know what it is. I, talk, I talked about the hostile environment there. I don't have a huge debate for the time change and the travel and all that. I just don't. They're young men. Uh, they should be able to get up and play a game at 11 o'clock their time, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I don't know what it is other than the Alouettes are historically tough at home. Not this year. They only got one win there. But I do know that any team in this league can win on any given week if the other team isn't prepared. Um, so that's why I'm not, I'm not saying... I mean, I predict the Riders will win every week, <laughs> but I'm not going to say they're coming in there to win by 21 points. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like that's like Cliff and I. We we will say what we our piece, but we usually we will we hope that the Owls win, but we never give them give a who, who's going to win and what the score is going to be. By the way, it was uh, November uh, November 8th, 2015, and who was the starter for the Alouettes at that time, Rod? It was Brandon Bridge, and Brandon for the Bridge. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it was Brett Smith. Yes. I remember the game in overtime. Yeah. Uh, was it not? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, I remember it very Hey, we only had three wins that year, guys. I tend to remember them all. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those games as a season ticket holder. You're like, wait a minute. This is a preseason game. I don't want to pay for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I happened, to, I, as we were talking, and you're, you're talking about Zach Caleros. 
uh, was able to get a quick stat from uh, CFL head statistician Steve Daniel. Caleros is actually only one in two in his history starting in Montreal. Which I wow. Thought, well, yeah. let me just say this. I have a little term that I use here in Saskatchewan. I call it Chris Jones math yeah. or Chris Jones stats. Yeah. Zach Caleros isn't actually six and two, but as far as Chris Jones is concerned, he is. <laughs> and it's hilarious when you think about it, because in Ottawa in week two, when Zach got knocked out of the game in the second quarter, it was 14-14. Ottawa went on to win the game. And by CFL stats, whoever quarterbacks the first series is on the hook for the win or the loss. That's right, yeah. So when Zach left the game and was tied, it should have been a loss. Jones doesn't count that. And then Labor Day here this year, uh, the Riders, if you recall, took over the ball at the, uh, I think it was their Bomber 1. They started their opening series on the Winnipeg 1, and they brought out Nick Marshall, the quarterback, and left Zach on the bench. Riders went on to win the game. Zach didn't get the win. Nick Marshall did. And Jones is like, screw Steve Daniel. <laughs> Zach got the win. So, well, he didn't exactly say that. Yeah, I am. You're paraphrasing. But he's just saying, I'm paraphrasing, spiffing it up a little bit. <laughs> but I just, in Chris Jones' stats, if a receiver tipped the ball into a defender's hands and it becomes a pick, he doesn't put that on the quarterback stat line. If a receiver drops a pass, Jones doesn't put that down as a completion, an incompletion, sorry, on the quarterback stat line. Because cause when you go back and look at the numbers, based on Chris Jones' math, a quarterback you know, might have had a pretty good game if he wasn't victimized by drops and tipped interception. You know, So it's, it's kind of an interesting way that he looks at the game of football. Yeah. My, my word. I, I, can only, I can just imagine what it'd be like if Johnny Manziel was playing for the Riders with that Chris Jones' don't, math. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to think, think about it. But. I have thought about it, and I didn't think about it for long. <laughs> So it, looks, so it looks like not only is the CFL next year going to be having a, a new salary cap for coaches, but it looks like, oh, this is just in. It looks like they're going to be actually correcting Coach Jones's math. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. So looking at, at, at the game, um, who are the players that people, uh, Riders fans, Owls fans need to watch on the Riders side of the ball who you think are going to have big games in order for the, for the Riders to come uh, away with a win this week? Uh, well, obviously, Zach Caleros, because he'll touch the ball on every play. I think he's uh, worth the price of admission. On offense, he's the biggest name. And then the rest is the Riders' bread and butters on defense. So you'd be watching for Charleston Hughes. You'd be watching for Willie Jefferson, who can forget his 97-yard pick six in the Banjo Bowl. Worth the price of admission there. And some good young American rookies that... Nobody really knows up here, but they're starting to become household names. Nick Marshall will probably be the Riders' Rookie of the Year. I think he's got two touchdowns on defense, three touchdowns on offense. Not shabby. And uh, Matt Elam, the bookend corner, started four years for the Ravens in the secondary. He came on, and he's playing the uh, field-side corner spot. So there's a couple of names there. And Sammy Guavin is probably going to be the Rough Riders defensive MVP this year. He leads in tackles. He leads in tackles for losses. And up until a couple of weeks ago, special teams tackles. So these aren't gaudy names. Our fans complain, gentlemen, that they don't know who these guys are because Jones changes players a lot of times like he changes his shirt, although he hasn't changed his green shirt for some time. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's not... The fans haven't really gravitated toward a lot of these guys because they're in and out so much. But these are guys that have made plays and impacts for the Riders this year. And I think I said Charleston Hughes. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna. He's primed to go off. That's the plan. We'll see if it happens or not. 
Cliff, take us home. All right. Well, Rod, we can't thank you enough for joining us this evening. Uh, how can people find you on social media? Appreciate it, Cliffy. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Rod Peterson. Uh, my blog is updated every day, rodpeterson.com, full of Rough Rider news there. And that's uh, probably the best ways to follow me. I appreciate it. And Instagram, at Rod Peterson Official. As you know, I'm pretty busy on all of those, and uh, I appreciate that opportunity. All right. Well, once again, we thank you so much for joining us on the Alouette's Flight Deck, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you on, uh, on this weekend, really, because uh, it's going to be a... It's going to be an awesome time, uh, as it always is when the Alouettes and the Riders play. Uh, like you said, there's nothing that beats Sunday afternoon football in Montreal. So I'm looking forward to a great time, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to get, get to see each other again. Here's hoping the weather holds up, and can't wait to get out there. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, Rod. Thank you.